Hello, this is Black Country Blokes Tune the Fat. Listen, listen, listen. I've been hearing a lot lately about men don't talk. But in my experience, men do talk, just people aren't listening. So it's going to be me and a group of blokes discussing our struggles and victories through life. Warning, there may be some bad language, so apologies to all the mums, especially on my own. Let's get going. Listen, listen, listen. I've been here. This is Black Country Blokes Tune the Fat. With me, Kev Dillon, Craig Pinches, Lee Cadman, Aaron Jew. And today we're joined by a very special guest, Marcus Leonard. Now, Marcus worked within the mental health in the black country. Now, today what we want to do is give a bit of information about mental health and about sometimes how to get in touch with mental health. So a lot of times we, we're phoning these organisations when we're right to our brink, when we're, we're going to the doctor when it's too late or we're going to phone 999. So what I'd like today is for Marcus to give some information about other numbers that we can find and different organisations that we can contact. So thank you, first of all, for coming on. Welcome. Yeah, thank you. So I look after um, IAT, which is Improved Access to Psychological Therapies. It's, it, it's um, a national enterprise. It's part of the NHS. Uh, it's British. It's um, 2006, uh, two fellows, David Clark, Professor David Clark. If you, you're watching um, Jordan Peterson on YouTube, mm-hmm. yeah? So we've got our own Jordan Peterson and he's called David Clark, Professor David Clark. He came up with IAPT with, um, oh, I can't remember his name, two guys. Um, the other one was a politician. And they realised that mental health in the country was getting out of hand. Yeah. You know, we, we were going from 20%, more and more and more, and it was it was instead of like one in ten, it was, it was virtually everybody at some point. Yeah. And, and traditionally you'll have a clinical psychologist that you'll turn to at times like these, beyond your GP, and there just weren't enough of them, you know? So they, they said, what we're gonna do? And so they organized um, this improved access. And what they did, they, they got people from the community and, and they'd be people like hairdressers, women that worked on the checkouts, yeah. the, Barmaids, people that you'd go to and talk to anyway, yeah. and they brought them into an organisation. So they were the front door, and then a clinical psychologist would sit at the back. They would talk to lots of people, and they'd be watching from the back and pointing everyone in the right direction. Right, they're a bit more serious. They need to go there. They're, they're not so bad. Send to the GP for medication, and and we'd get through a lot of people fast. This is um, from two thousand and six when it started. That recent. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, not Levison, not the Levison Inquiry. Um, I should have done this, shouldn't I? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, don't let the um, truth in, we have a good story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so since then, we've IAT has become the most s- successful psychological strategy the world has ever seen. Brilliant. Um, so it's gone up and down the country. It's gone to Germany, California, Canada, Sweden, Israel... Uh, I think Hong Kong, they're just the world in its entirety are copying what we're doing because we get through people so well and so quickly. Yeah. Now what IAP does, it doesn't use clinical psychologists. What we do, we train people for um, very specific interventions. So if you took 100 lads who had anxiety, what you'd find is that there are, there are very similar themes through all of their 
individual experiences. They've all got a story to tell and they'll all be different. And all those stories will be unique to them. I think but, we found that ourselves, yeah. haven't we, talking to each other? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Although our experiences are, are different, actually the outcomes of those and the, and the treatment is, can be the same. Yeah, yeah. so, so we, we run groups when, uh, and for that reason, because uh, the, the stories will be punctuated by the same physical sensations, changes in thinking, you know, beliefs about uncertainty, and all these things will start to turn for those people. And we know this because one of the things I ask us, we ask people to fill forms in every time we see them and check how they're doing on scales. So what we've done, we've, we've created a massive amount of data. And, and what that allows us to do, like plugging your, your reader into your car, is monitor it very carefully when it starts to go wrong, when it starts to go right. So we know to get people quicker, uh, better, quicker. So we, we've um, gone through a digital revelation in 2019. Jumping the gun a bit there. We've got, in Dudley and Warsaw, I'll, I'll tell you about what we've got here. We've got, uh, Dudley particularly, we've got a fantastic IAP team. A lot of them were mental health nurses. They're all very skilled in delivering um, the 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 most common anxiety and disorders. So you've got social phobia, post-traumatic st stress disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, um, health anxiety, the, the really common mm. um, and most prolific anxiety disorders that we see now, and of course depression and everything that goes with them. Now, we used to think that um, anxiety, Anyone with a mental health disorder, it would be like breaking a leg and going to a &E. One minute they're all right, one minute you know somebody and they're doing all right, and the next minute they've gone down with it. Yeah. And, and we'd see them, just like you said, when they got quite bad. Yeah. But, but then when we, now we start to talk to people and we say, well, what were you doing six months ago? What were you doing 12 months ago? When, when did you start to get, when, when could we have got to you and, and helped you out? But I always think, wouldn't it be a great idea? If we get these people at primary school level, yeah. so we're not waiting until they're an offender yeah. and trying to fix them once they've had a lifetime yeah. of uh, regurgitating bad habits over and over. If you went, well, Kev, why are you angry? Why are you playing up? Why do you keep crying and getting? Dad did this. I'm fat. I've lost my eyes. I've... And build on it and give them the tools to deal with it at early doors. Yeah. Instead of, we, we, fight, we have these people at the end of their tether. I've been a heroin addict for 20 years. I'm a repeat violent offender. And you go, isn't it such a shame when you see them, you can just keep trying to plaster over the cracks yeah. instead of laying the brickwork right in the first time. You're absolutely right. We, we, we've got to get to young families yeah. and children and, and not just help the people who've got the disorders now, but stop this from happening. There's, yeah. a, there's a great thing to look up on the internet. It's called the Adverse Childhood Events. And we call it an ACE scale, some uh, brilliant work that's been done clinically. Now, if you look at, I think it's an 11 point scale, 10 or 11 point scale, and it's how many adverse events you've had in childhood. Yeah. And literally, if, as you count up that scale about, yeah, that's happened, that's happened, that's happened, yeah. you jump from one category to the next, to the next, mm. from um, problems with dif difficulties regulating your emotions, mm. uh, difficulty with substances, mm. getting in trouble with the police, yeah. you know, and literally, if you've had those events go on in life, mm. 
that's what's going to happen to you in your adulthood. Yeah. And, and, and there's, no, there's very little way around it. The stats are like, um, why are we not going back to young mums and dads and saying, listen, you know, who knows what a good parent is or a bad parent, but whatever you do, don't do that. Yeah. This means if you do that, you'll end up with that, you yeah. know? Mm. And we should be feeding this back better than we do. Yeah. And, and we try. We are trying. A lot of times it's, um, we warn you when it's, ugh, well, you shouldn't have done that. And you think, well, all, all I was doing was what I've been taught through my Absol- experiences. Absolutely, yeah. And monkey see, monkey do. Yeah. And I think if we can have these classes of teaching people, this is the mechanism, you're about to get angry, you're about to, well, why are you getting angry? As you said, isn't it amazing as a child, what Darren on the playground tells you, he's gospel facts. Because he knows what he's, and that that bit of information, or that thing that you saw in your family home, that's ingrained because you're learning it at such a young age. I have no reference to back it up to. But the parents also have to be a huge part of that, because I think of my bringing up and, and, my mum and dad didn't, you didn't, mental health wasn't about, you know, no. I, I, you didn't know what mental health was. Yeah. So that, it has to start at the parents' point, doesn't it, that you're not afraid to talk to your kids about these things and you're not afraid to explain that you do get an anxiety and explain what that's about. So I know my, my daughter suffers from it, too, my youngest child, um, but we try and talk to her about it now and she sees, already she sees a mentor, we call her, she's a mentor within school. So Marcus like doesn't know about your, your daughters. Right, yeah, so, so my youngest is um, life limiting disability, but obviously that affects my two eldest quite yeah, a lot. Course, yeah. um, yeah. And they, they have struggled. Um, yeah. But so there's things we put in place like mentors that go into the school and speak to them, and mm-hmm. it's just someone outside of us that they can talk to as well. Yeah. And that tends to be easier yeah. sometimes than talking to Because um, I know my daughter thinks she's going to put her worries onto us. Yeah. yeah. Um, so D- don't you think now? Don't you think like, you know, has it always been there, things like, you know, like mental health and things like that, to a severe scale, or is it since the birth, like you say, back in 2006, 2007? Yeah. Is that like since the birth, I mean, was that the Facebook, um, that, was that when Facebook were, was created in about 06? So is it from that point that people started to develop further it's, problems? It's always been there, hasn't it? It's always so been there, but about it. You, you always had, you always knew the person in the street that, you know, not politically correct and, and not more saying that there was the loony, that there was the crazy person and this and the other. But now everybody seems to have anxieties, everyone seems to have this and the other. Has social media played a big part in creating this beast or has it just brought this beast to light? That is a brilliant point and there are, there are a number of angles to it and when we look at any kind of problem, a really good thing to do when you get a problem is, is make it a timeline and pinch it and pull it apart. Yeah. Look what, what happened before and what happened afterwards. And if we go back to our evolutionary past, I mean, using evolution as a, as a kind of yardstick, mm-hmm. and, and we look back to our time in, in groups um, in the, uh, the most... If you look at the... Um, the stages of our development, the Stone Age is, um, oh, it's, if, if we've been here a metre in time, mm. then if you, if you come in a millimetre at one end and a millimetre at the other, that's the Stone Age. Isn't it? Yeah. We, we've been here for a blink. Now, what we do know is that there's, there's some uh, 
some, there's some pygmy tribes up near the Philippines, and and they're kind of they're living a traditional life in yeah. terms of they've not been um, affected by the modern way, if you like, and mm. capitalism. So all they're worried about is a roof over the head and food in the bellies. Absolutely. Mortality is mm. worse for them. Day-to-day um, -day problems are worse for them, but they don't have mental illness. Mm. Their numbers of mental illness are like one in like 10,000. Mm. So, so, you know, when we talk about, well, there's a, you know, we went through a time of saying, there's a, oh, well, you're not making enough of this chemical, you're not making enough mm. of that chemical, and... And you know, here's some medication for this and some medication for that. And you, you put that in perspective and you mm. think, wow, what's going on? That's not to um, diss medication. Medication yeah. does a real good stuff for a lot of people. Mm. But, but it, it's a brilliant point, you know, when, like you say, the loony bins, you know, the, yeah. the, the asylums of the hundred years ago when we, when we first started to... Um, Put people there that we didn't we just didn't understand we yeah. didn't understand what was going wrong yeah. i think it was the the 60s you know um clozapine started to be developed and and, and they just emptied mm. this medication came along and, and just people were just they were better so so we've, yeah. we've become really enthralled with this idea of medication which you know you, you take a complicated um a person who's got lots of different things going on in life you've got adverse childhood events they've got a complex family situation or, or an, an illness alongside it mm. and it, is medication going to fix all those things it, it, you know it, it's well, such that's, a that's, tricky problem i think it's got what kept said your paper and over the cracks at that point aren't yeah. you you're just trying instead of dealing with the root of what's going on yeah and we, yeah. we have children up here and it's um oh ah, kevin doesn't sleep he doesn't sleep what what's he what's he eat? Well, he has McDonald's for breakfast. Yeah. He has a Red Bull. He has this. He gets and he plays on his Xbox all day. And I went, he's, he's not naughty. He's just he's he's buzzing. He's buzzing. He's doped up. And he's so, not using that so what we'll do then to counter the E numbers, we'll give him Ritalin. Yeah. So we're giving him speed by day, heroin by night, and then we wonder how he's going to be in the next twenty years. Indeed. You know what I mean? And I think that as you said, medication is brilliant when it's needed. Yes. But yeah. I think. Yeah. Sometimes we're taking shortcuts of thinking yeah. one shoe fits all. Mm -hmm. Have yeah. this instead of sitting down talking about the problem. Yeah, yeah. We, we sorry, sorry to interrupt. There. I'm just thinking, how do you change that problem though? So it's it's all well and good. We can establish that a lot of it comes from our parents, for example, mm -hmm. and that's not a slight on anyone's parents. We do the best that they know. Absolutely, all yeah. the time. Yeah, but yeah. a lot of our environment and the way we see the world from our perspective, every single one of us here is from the stuff that our parents tell us, yeah. the people around us, the yeah, school, yeah. everything. So we've constructed this just based on our perspective. And I, I just think, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I'm just thinking, you then turn around to a parent who, as a parent, you're probably very, very proud to be a parent. I'm not a parent myself. And say, well, actually, maybe you shouldn't have said this to your, your daughter or your son. And I, I agree something needs to be done, but have we got a system in place for that? Have we thought about, do we, how do we educate parents? Because I think it's a societal problem. That we all need to be accountable for because yeah. we've created this world effectively with natural drowning yeah. in it yeah so yeah. that's a brilliant point and and i think it comes from it, when we look back through history mm -hmm. we, we 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 look back and we think well oh, what were they thinking they were burning witches and yeah. oh they thought the earth was flat let's yeah. not get onto that yeah. <laughs> and, and let's you know and and, and and wheel that'll never work and and you know we've gone back but what we what we do what we know is that each time mm -hmm. they got to those points and they got those breakthroughs 
They thought they were right. And, and we think we're right now. But the truth has been changing year on year on year. And in 100 years' time, it will have changed again and again. And, and I think what's come out of that is that one thing we know about this very effective treatment, we, we use cognitive behaviour therapy. And, and the basis of that, that the, the, the skeleton underneath it, is beliefs. That human beings have a software system. Well, I think what you can say, I think one thing that we did back in the day better than we do nowadays, maybe because of social media, is a community raised people. Yeah. You, if yeah. your neighbour or the bloke down the road caught you doing something, go, I'll tell you, Daddy, go, yeah. please don't. And yeah. everyone had a part because you went to the same post office, the same pub. So the village raised the children. Nowadays, yeah. you don't know the person living next door to you. And if someone, you kick your ball against their fence because I'll tell you, Daddy, go, and so what? Yeah. The teacher says, leave my classroom. He goes, or what? Yeah. We've yeah. lost that. Because I think we need love, yeah. we need boundaries, yeah. and we need community. Like, you need to say, like, I love you, but if you don't do this, then this will happen. This is the consequence. Yeah. And I think yeah. with communities and what you're doing and what the club does and not just us, all these other wonderful organisations, yeah. you fit in somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and as we were, when we said, when we said earlier that this was a national strategy, I was yeah. telling Kevin the other day that, um, that national strategies are great. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the way that we work it's one of the criticisms is it's written by academics for academics so yeah. academic people um, do best with it mm. and, and academic people work inside it and that presents a real problem when you get to um, communities mm. and and working out the mechanics of that and it's that's the challenge that we've got mm. to, to to work into communities that are already set with their little ways of being and, and if we can if we can start to bridge that gap with things like um the boxing clubs and community mm -hmm. events yeah. and, and helping people come together we get we get back to that people have got something to invest in you know it's that mm -hmm. it's that idea of um you, you learn little things along the way and, and you know I don't, I don't know whether you you're partial to a bit of littering you know, but if, if you imagine that, I mean, some people do, some people don't. And if, you, if you're one of these people that just asks to throw something in the bin, you, yeah. you, you wouldn't dream of doing it. Now, if you imagine that we're sat on a, in, in a, in a, a lovely park, mm. a, a lovely, lovely park, you know, and, and we've got a packet of crisp and a couple of, you know, some cans, and you, you wouldn't dream of just going, ah, oh, chuck it off. You, you, you'd be off to the bin, and you'd yeah. chuck it off, oh, give me yours, I'll chuck it away, let's yeah. keep it all clean. Now, that's something that most people would do. But if we're all sat in a park and it's this deep in crisp packets and cans, yeah. you'd go, yeah. joy, yeah. you know? And, 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 and this is, I suppose the mental health analogy is that if your community seems broken, yeah. if it doesn't give you anything back, yeah. what's the point in contributing to it? Yeah. What's the point in giving, you know, any, anything that, that, that smartens it up a bit? How sad, but how true that is. Mm -hmm. See, I've, you know, I think with, with that, I think that's one thing that drives me crazy is because I'd feel the urge, I mean, I don't like literally using that analogy anyway, but um, I feel, I'd feel the urge to want to, you know, tidy that up and it'd drive me crazy at the fact other people are, are, are living in, in the slum of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I see people throwing the fag ends out the window. I see one the other day and Chris Packers and whatever else and I constantly say to my partner these are the same people 
they'll be smoking and flying, drinking a bill, whatever they're doing, and shit all we live in, and this and the other. And you think, but you've just threw your fag on the floor. This is the shit all you're creating, and then you're moaning about it. And that's what drives me crazy is when you think there's a problem there. Why don't you try and fix it instead of moaning about it? But I think that's the message underneath that it doesn't give them anything back. Mm. It's a bad relationship. Yeah, it's okay. a shit Not because there's stuff on the floor. Yeah. Because it doesn't give them anything back. And, and I think we've got, to, we've got to look at that. And, and, and going back to your point, you know, I think rules, you said something about it as well. Rules are the things that we see people come with. I used to, uh, you're going to get me to go after, you'll never shut me up. <laughs> I used to run an anger management group and it, it was awesome. It was absolutely brilliant. And, and what I learned there was that people can take rules way too seriously. Mm, yeah. So we had a lad in and he was a veteran and we, we kind of all sat in a, we'd, we'd start off in a horseshoe and then over the weeks we'd kind of close it into a circle and it, and it was a real special place to be. I, I was uh, very um, privileged to be part of it at the time that I was and this lad came in, he was a, he was a little bit of a chubby lad but he, he had a shirt on and he was, you know, he didn't quite fit in and he he was, a, he, he was a bit, it was a private area, he was a little bit well cut, you know, yeah. and, and uh, he was quiet, and people were kind of wondering, you know, he didn't really say much. Somebody said to him, so what's your story, mate? And he said, well, he said, I'm, um, I, I'm, he was ex-military, we got out of him at some point, and he, 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 he too was lived by rules, and there was, uh, he lived on a small street, a dead end, and the girl across the road lived with her parents and the lad, a boyfriend, had a car and he'd zoom up and down the street and, uh, and, and he had young kids, this lad. And he said, said to this lad, listen, you know, I understand you like to get your foot down, but this is a, you know, my kids play here. This is a small street, you know, take it easy. You never know who's, you never, you don't see the kid that you run over, you know. And this lad carried on and carried on. So he, he, and I'm not condoning this by the way, but, but he said to much to the delight of the rest of the group who, who felt really kind of, we call, we call virtuous anger, you yeah, know, it's yeah, quite yeah. retribution and what have you. Yeah. So, so he said to this lad, if I catch you driving down this street again, we've done the nice talk. If I catch you driving down here too fast again, mm. I'm going to rip you out of that car and I'm going to wrap one of them windscreen wipers around your neck. Yeah. And he walked away. And of course, what did all that do? A couple yeah. of days later, so he pulled him out of his car, he broke his window, he pulled him out of his car, he pulled the windscreen wiper off, and he wrapped it round his neck. Mm. And he, he left him where he was, and he went back in his house. His frantic bangs on the door a few minutes later, and it's this girl's dad. And he's like, you better come out and sort this out. This lad's going purple, he can't get it off his neck. So he ran back and, and he really struggled to get this thing off. He, you know, the, the thick yeah. arm at the yeah. bottom. But he'd done it in temper. Yeah. So they got this thing off his neck, and that was that. And everyone was like, yeah, well, it served him, and that taught him, didn't it? He wouldn't do that again. Yeah. We, didn't, we didn't know. That was the story. It was an interesting story. Yeah. So about two years later, same group, but obviously different people were running the group. And there's a young lad there, and he isn't saying much, and, like I say, completely different people. And somebody said, what's your story, mate? And he said, well, I got done for carrying, carrying a knife in my car. 
And they were like, oh, right, that's, that's quite serious, you know. Mm. And he's like, yeah, but um, I got attacked. Mm. So he's like, all right, well, you know, what, what, what good do you think carrying a knife will do? Well, I'll all get attacked again, will I? I'm like, well, what happened? He said, well, some guy pulled me out of my car and wrapped my hands in my No way. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh. So, well, yeah, I've heard this one. Yeah, that's um, an often effect there, isn't it? But, well, this is, this is, this is the rules. And you say, and this is where we talk about punishment and, and the idea that if we punish somebody, yeah. they won't do it again and, and they'll learn. And, it, and it's the first principle rule and that is that that lad didn't learn driving too fast got you pulled out you can't a windscreen wiper around your neck if you're going to do it be weaponized and what he learned was power wins yeah 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 that makes a lot of sense power wins that's what he learned he learned that that guy exerted a lot of force over him and that won not that i was in the wrong but however if yeah. I am bigger, badder, bolder, yeah. I will get what I want. And unfortunately, isn't that the way the country has gone? Someone will cut you up in the car. They're in the wrong. We'll lean out the window and go, and what? I'll smash your face. And I think you were in the wrong. What you should have said was, ever so sorry. It's a lot of the, the knife culture now, isn't it? Because of that, because people have been threatened. So they walk around with a knife. They then at some point use that knife, which has a knock-on effect to that person. He thinks he's got to carry a knife yeah. or a gun. You are who you And then you, you just keep going, don't you? You, just, you um, are who you feel. Back in the day, one. you'd be in the pub, someone would give you a good idea or a playground, and you'd, you'd get over, you wouldn't go back. But now, people stood over you filming it, filming it, and that makes you feel like a coward because you can't do nothing. Mm. So you have to do something. And that's mm. when heinous things happen from yeah. a moment's madness. Do you know what I said to someone earlier? Sorry, Sorry. what I said to someone earlier, it was about like parking and parking tickets. And I hate, I hate giving parking tickets to paying them dead money. Yeah. But I said to like, my partner and someone else today, actually, I said, you know what? We're all old enough now to know how it works and to know the rules. Yeah. And if we're gonna just cross that line a little bit, I'll take my chances. You can't get irate when when you're getting what you've earned, basically, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and I think that's like, like with him. He took his chance, he got warned, and he still continued to do it, mm-hmm. and he, he got just deserved. Yeah. It's you about know, ca- accountability, isn't it? Take accountability exactly. For and that's where we struggle but, but these the days. The interesting thing with that story is everyone interprets that in a different way. Yeah. So now, as we're, we're adults, for example, mm-hmm. if I've done that two or three times, and somebody's wrapped their window wiper around my neck, I think, really, I, I won't do that again, because mm-hmm. that was the wrong thing, and he warned me. Fair play to him. But yeah. maybe when I was younger, yeah. I might have had that same fear reaction, mm-hmm. and then obviously, you know, baseball bat in the car or something. So it's interesting, isn't it, how we all interpret stuff, which then means when we then impose rules on people in society, we have to be, be mindful of how they interpret it. Yeah, absolutely. Spot yeah. on. And, and I think what came out of that group in that particular locality was one of the themes that came out, and you're absolutely spot on, that everybody views it in a different way. Um, what they seemed to think was um, that'll teach him. Mm. That was the and 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 that teach him what? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> well, it did teach him, but it didn't teach him what they thought it did teach him. And and I think that's the thing when when we strive to live by rules. Mm. One of the rules that comes out in anger is that'll teach him. You know, like when we. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So so and and it's kind of like we we don't when we put people in prison that'll yeah. teach them. What will it teach them? They network and then they <laughs> rather organise it. Look, sometimes he goes to jail for something. Pe- he's a drug addict. Mm-hmm. That'll teach him. But he, mm-hmm. 
they don't get him off the gear. No. They don't give him a plan for when he's out of prison. That's the problem. He just goes in there and then it's just in and out. But what could happen instead of taking him to get cleaned up, moving him away, doing his sorting his external problems away from it, it's just keep him in the loop. And once he's been in the loop, bloody hard to get out the loop isn't it so, yeah. it can be that kid but it could but you also if you're in that position there's enough there's some people out there who have changed i know a lot system. of people who've so gone to prison it also changed. has to be your, your own mindset doesn't it but if you haven't got the, the, the mental capacity or the skills to do it you need skills or you need love boundaries the community around it but if you're left to your own divorce and you haven't got an a b or c plan you will fall back on what you know. The stats are frightening for people that go into prison and then go back into it. So I worked in a prison for a bit, for about six mm-hmm. months, which was like fascinating when I was a social worker. And literally, it's like one, it's like literally one in like 50 or 60 that won't come back into prison. But they found most of it was down to societal problems, so low socioeconomic. Mm-hmm. Um, and effectively what you're doing is they'll go in prison for a stint and then they'll be put back in the same environment. Yeah. They'll try and get on their feet because they think I want to get a job. Nobody's giving them a job. They'll then start seeing the same people they were hanging around with. Yeah. And that's their only coping mechanism or way to get through life. Yeah. So, yeah, I have my own views, obviously. It's just one man's opinion on the prison system. Because yeah. I don't think it rehabilitates people as much as you would like want to it to. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I completely agree. If we try, I mean, life's not about a laboratory. <laughs> but if you try and recreate, because um, what we're doing is we say that'll teach them is Punishment equals learning. Yeah. Mm. Punishment is some kind of education. Now, I don't know of one instance where punishing somebody enhances the way they learn. Yeah. You can't recreate it. It makes it worse. And if you think about anything you wanted to learn, and if you think, would, would punishment be the way to go? It's kind of like... Carrot over the stick. There's got to be... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's got to be There's got to be um, some kind of logic behind your method. It's like with my son, I've never had to lay a finger on my son. I've got one, he's nearly eight and one is two. Mm. Now, Troy, uh, the seven-year-old, if he did something wrong, I'd warn him. If he did kept doing it, I'd take him to bed. I'd say, right, you've got 10 minutes. If you back-chatted, you've got 15 minutes. And I'd keep up in it every time he, he'd do something like be cheeky back. And then I'd leave it his time, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I'd go up, I'd ask him what, why he's in there to start with. He'd tell me, I'd say, why have you not say he'd apologise, we'd hug. And to me, that's done. And he's, he's not been to bed for, for quite a while. Mm. So in the first few years, I did that. Now, if I'd have just belted him, took him, sent him to bed with no, with no um, logic behind my method, then, you know, by far, you know, the, Perfect parenting doesn't exist, but we mean his his mom sort of got a dynamic relationship where we've been able to teach him as opposed to punish him. And I tell him now, like I'm not punishing you. I'm he's up, you know I'm your best friend, but sometimes I have to be your dad. And what I mean by that is sometimes I have to be the one to guide you, even if it's just a little bit more of a nudge. You know, hopefully you walk the path I'd like you to on your own. But sometimes I'm gonna have to nudge you. Like you say, the prison system. It doesn't, it, it locks them up. It don't tell them or, you know. They a don't lot of rehabilitate, do we? What is it they say? What, why, why are you in? Because I got caught. And, and that's usually the mentality, you know, of it. There's no, there's no rehabilitation, like you said, is there? No. And that's why I bring the parenting thing into it, because I never mindlessly punished 
my child for something I considered wrong. Yeah. My dad used to have a saying and it was, do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. You know, and that kind of hypocrisy is what yeah. creates, you know, he's a great dad and all, but um, he's one of the old fashioned guys, you know. Have you got any comments, by the way? Yeah, uh, I'll run through them now, actually. One, Daniel Davis, doing a great job. I've been you done. Talking about mental health problems is hard for a man. Ian Hines, hello, gents, great work. I've been your age. Stephen Anzo, you may be able to answer this one. Evening, gents, great to see you all in again. Well done on the radio. My question is, do we think that everybody who says they have anxiety, etc., actually have it and understand what it is, or are they just joining the fad that when they're a bit down, it must be anxiety. Yeah, yeah. someone yeah. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I, I, um, I've done a bit of work in prisons. And it's fascinating, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it is. Um, never met anyone I thought should be there. Um, I, I worked on a, on a prison on an island out off the coast of France, and oh. there was a young girl in there, and we were, we were it, it was my job to uh, go in and do what I could. And, she was, uh, something wasn't tallying up. She's only young, she's about 18, 19. And I, I soon found that I was talking to her about being upset and, and being anxious. And, and she always gave me a puzzled look. And, and I'd be like, you, there seems to be something going on there. When I say anxious, you seem to be, she's like, well, no, I mean upset. And mm. I was like, well, what, what do I mean when I mean anxious? Well, she said, well, it's the same thing, isn't it? And I was like, is it? She said, yeah, it's the same word for the same thing. And I think everybody's got a different version yeah. of what anxious is for them. And, and it's a good point. And, and of course, there are people that um, need to hang the court on something that's happening for them yeah. and give it a label. And I think that there's anxiety is prolific in yeah. today's society it, it is everyone will experience it that as soon as you get that flush and you feel that feeling in your chest yeah that's anxiety whether it's the center of your problems and, and yeah. whether your problems come center around it or whether it is a consequence of them it is a big topic um but but it, we we don't want people to um feel that they can't mention it or, or they, for sake they're jumping being, on a yeah. bandwagon and i think it, a, a really good question, a very tricky one. But then, because I always say, my, I've lived my whole life on nerves. Nerves have pushed me into doing stuff, mm. whereas anxiety and panic attacks have held me back sometimes. Yeah. Like, if I've got to jump in the boxing ring, I'm thinking, well, the old chance he's going to smack me in the face. Mm. Or if I do this, that's the nerves. But I think when you have them anxiety attacks, it's not, I've got an exam tomorrow, yeah. I'm a bit worried. It's that, I can't get out of this house. I feel like I'm going to have a stroke. And I think that's the difference of it. And I think sometimes it's become a throwaway comment. Yes. Like, like me, I'm, um, yeah. I'm rich being blind, I can't see any side, so I've got 7%. Then someone with glasses will go, if I take these off, I'm blind. I go, no, yes. you've got bad eyes. Yeah. But it's just become a new throwaway thing. Yes. I think one of the things that people get exasperated about with a partner or with a friend who says they're anxious, one of the big deals with anxiety is avoidance. Yeah. And it's one of the difficult things that we, when we started to measure anxiety early on, we didn't measure avoidance. So when people were avoidant and, you know, if you're anxious about, I don't know, balloons and you never see any, well, you're not anxious, but yeah. you only need to see one and you are. Yeah. So if you just get good at dodging them and staying out of the yeah. way, yeah. is that, have you still got anxiety yeah. or, or what? And, yeah. and so, you know, if you've got a friend and 
you you know you arrange to go out and they kind of start making excuses mm. and don't want to go and then eventually blame it on their anxiety yeah. that can get really frustrating because anxiety is a fascinating subject and it, it's it, it's all of well fear and adrenaline yeah and it can be triggered by anything you know mm. and you know people are frightened to flies aren't they? you yeah. know and you know there's a there's a fly in the kitchen and you've got people screaming and running mm. for their lives and and you're 50 times bigger and mm. it's never going to hurt you yeah but that infuriates them more yeah. because yeah yeah to them it's petrifying it, it, it's petrifying yeah. and, mm. and and one of the things we do in um I'm, I'm jumping the gun but i think i think it can be it can be very frustrating to be around people with anxiety because they become a little bit unpredictable you know, I've, I've got two questions actually. Um, one is, you know, with anxiety, you know, if you see someone and they're constantly posting selfies and they're out clubbing or pubbing or, and, and they're very active, say, on the social medias, but then they claim to have anxiety, hmm? is, it, is it still possible they've got anxiety? Because I know a lot of, there's a lot of misconceptions there where they think, well, you're posting loads of pictures of you smiling and laughing and that, you'd also have anxiety, you're my fat, you're my bandwagon jumper. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, yeah, very good point. It, look at the look at the great comedians mm. who, who were depressives behind closed doors. Robin Williams. Williams. It's yeah. amazing what you can hide, yeah. isn't it? Really, from from even close people, let alone people. Yeah, that's true. So, so that people with depression know how to laugh. Mm. They know how to smile, yeah. and, and they they probably know better than everybody else because yeah. they use it as a front. Yeah. Um, and you know, people with anxiety will burst through it. And, yeah. and they're not anxious about everything yeah. and so yeah. when they when they're in a situation that they're not anxious about or they've had a few bevies yeah. you might get them over <laughs> over enjoying what it is and you're thinking you're the life of soul of the party there's no wrong with you yeah and, and i think this is where the Poker problem face. is with um the, you know a broken leg's a broken leg yeah. but, but mental health is is a little bit different it's finick it, it is it is that leads me to my other question he's like like, what's your opinion on bipolar disorder? Um, because, I mean, that's something that I'll go through. The depression side of things, believe it or not, I can, I can manage. You know, that they don't phase me at all because I know that I go down there. No nice period, I know. But it's that that interchanging. You know, walking in the kitchen, you're some like you're completely someone different. The overspending beyond your means, and you know, a lot of that stuff. I'll go through and bipolar rage over the last few years is something I developed. Um, tried to get treatment from, from the GP for it and whatever else, and I was met to not, not a very good, good outcome, so I stopped going. And yeah. it's like literally a blind rage, you know, and I was told that that's called bipolar rage. What's, what's your opinion on that? How, how can you determine um, bipolar disorder from depression and anxiety or whatever else? Can you still be BPD? If you've only got two of them, or do you have to have multiples? A BPD. I, I, I can tell you the. I can tell you what I know about it, but I'm a bit out of my pay grade. That's fine. IAPT is um, common mental health difficulties. Yeah. Bipolar puts you in the hands of specialist mental health nurses and psychiatrists. Okay. Um, and it, it it is a debilitating problem yeah. for people that have it. Um, medication can be. Um, really effective. I've remembered the brain regions that are affected, I could, I could yeah. tell you those, but I don't deal a lot with people with bipolar okay. disorder. Um, 
we, we, we do occasionally get them through the service. Um, but again, you could say that bipolar is, is an extreme version of the emotional regulation difficulties that we get um, at a lower level. So, yeah. so that when people, the, the mood catches them out, um, oh, okay. the they bec it, it becomes a dominant force in their life. And we all know that, where you, you're just not feeling, I'm not feeling it today. Well, yeah. magnified quite some time for, for someone with bipolar and that mm. unexpected change, that, that, that must be really tough. That, that's, but the, the minute changes that we face in, uh, within normal levels of psychology, you know, we know those those feelings can become the centre of the universe, yeah. and it's very difficult to see past them. So when you've got bipolar, this uh, singular CG twenty five and PCG thirty one, I think are the areas involved yeah. with with bipolar, and that snapping backwards and forwards, and it, and it doesn't matter what context you're in, it it will just happen. Yeah. You know, and and so that must be. And I think one of the, the underlying things about all of this is something we've kind of skirted around is, is the perception of reality. Mm. And, and reality is something that we, that we hold on to as really concrete. Out there is a concrete reality. And, and we can all hang on to it in the same way. You said it about, you know, about everybody having a different perception. We know reality is a really frail thing. Yeah. Really frail. And, and, and it's difficult... Um, it's difficult to hold on to it in the same way, and it's really easy to, to, for it to start to make um, an alternative reality to start to make sense. Mm. And you know, and bipolar disorder can feed into that. You know, with um, some ferocity. Like, like you say, I mean, a lot of the things are umbrella terms, aren't they? Like mm. you say, everyone's got their version of anxiety and whatever else. Mm. It is umbrella terms and and severity levels. You know, some people have got it, like you had it, you said you, it was very debilitating, you, you were crippled of anxiety. Yeah. Now you can have mild anxieties, you mm -hmm. can have, so just because you're only feeling them that little bit. I mean, I started to feel like I had a music networking event last week and I didn't want to go and all day and for a couple of days I was, I felt something in my stomach and I thought, oh, I really don't want to go, really don't want to go, really don't want to go. And I ended up going and I was okay. But that build-up, it wasn't I didn't want to go. It was I felt like I've got to be in that room with new people and 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 this and the other and this and the part of well it's in Birmingham so that tells you probably why half a while I didn't want to go. Sorry for the brummies out there. But um, like it's creating like there is different levels. So, so is there like someone like Craig? Is there an organisation you could off the top of your head think of like if he was feeling how he's feeling? Like we've had Nick Davis who comes on here regularly. Uh, next week we've got Ian from um, uh, Mental Health First, who's a, a charity organisation. Um, is there telephone numbers or websites you can give out there? Yeah. It, like, sometimes you get to the GP yeah. and it's just, uh, well, unless you've got a broke leg or a cold, mm -hmm. I ain't really got a clue to do with you. You know what, uh, Kev, I went to the GP this time last year and he put me on the, the very same second sent me straight to the mental health nurse who got me signed into, oh, into treatment that, that depends on what GP though doesn't it oh definitely mm. but it, there is I think there is a lot of good work going on oh, with, good. with regards to it as well and it really knows up to top of it and yeah, yeah absolutely well I, I think I know we've got people around the country so they're yes. not just in the locality oh, so, yeah. so if you go on if you every 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 listener in the UK that you've got 
If they type in IAPT, I-A-P-T, into Google, they've got a local unit. And what they do is they will give you, in um, ascending severity, they will give you a treatment that matches the condition that you've got. If it's too severe and, it, and, it, and it's um, things like bipolar that's not, that's not manageable or um, currently under control, they will pass you on to the services that are appropriate um, mm. and, and, and they're focused on your mental health. We, we need to do a, we need to do a complete session on anxiety because yeah. that case in point that you said there that feeling in your stomach yeah. that's common to everybody and with anxiety and you you'll know that as well and it, yeah. that's not about bipolar that, that's about your stomach and there are it's that interpretation of that sensation yeah. a person who hasn't got um, debilitating anxiety in that area will interpret that sensation as excitement. Okay. I've heard that, yeah. But a person oh. who's going into a situation that they're frightened of will interpret it as, this is doom. It's the same but sensation, different perspective. It's exactly, it's adrenaline. And what it is, is that when adrenaline hits your bloodstream, muscles in your core clamp down and open up and send blood in different direction at different pressures. Now, one of the things that happens is there's two main areas that, that, that go through a deficit in blood pressure. One is your brain, your yeah. cortex, and the other one's your, your gastrointestinal system. Oh, okay. So everything that, from your lips to your arse. Yeah. Yeah. And, and everything in there is maintained by a, a blood supply from the other side. Yeah. Yeah? And, and when that blood pressure drops off, you, so in, in, in your gut, that blood pressure will um, show itself as it's butterfly. You know, you lie on your arm, yeah, yeah, yeah. your butterflies in your stomach are pins and needles yeah. in your stomach. It's your, blood, it's your blood pressure dropping in your stomach. Aaron said that to me the other day. He yeah. said, your stomach is like your second brain. And your gut is like your second brain. And he said that to me. I did a bit day. of research on it. So I'm always interested in trying to improve it. So one of the ways is through health. Mm. And uh, my diet's quite flexible in terms of I eat healthy for half the day, mm. but because I lose weight, because I'm always active, the re rest of the day I'm just eating what willy nilly basically. Oh, and no one likes him, do they? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna eat what I want, and I'm still good looking. <laughs> what, what, what I found through the research was that uh, it was affecting my gut bi microbiome because I'm eating a lot of processed foods, for example, mm. like bags of crisps, chocolates, and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And what that does is then obviously decrease the blood flow to your brain, and mental illness is effectively something ill with your brain um, and the ways to obviously reduce that is obviously to have better stuff so you're not you're not disturbing the gut bacteria that's already there which yep. obviously sends signals to your brain so what i'm doing is i'm not only disturbing it then i'm affecting the blood flow to my brain uh, i know it's all a bit scientific i'm trying to get more into it but then effectively then my anxiety is a lot worse so I've, i recognize now if my diet's not right even like before i'm going out to see, see my friends and stuff i can pick it up i'm like i shouldn't have eaten that and it's gone that it's gone that particular with myself because I get a bit of IBS as well. Mm. Um, whereas when I eat better foods, I'm so much better for it. And another one is, um, and this isn't like a sl slant on anyone, but just to lose weight because apparently the more overweight you are, you actually decrease the blood flow to your brain as well. So these are just little tips that will just put the odds in your favor, basically, if you can just yeah. decrease them ever so slightly. Mm. Uh, but it's helped me. Mm. How yeah. how we have got one question off Nick. Um, if Nick don't mind, I'll get to in a minute. Like, like you're on about food, Aaron's on about food. How significant is your diet to anxieties and to... You are what you eat, the old saying, isn't it? Again, I'm slightly out of your pay again. Um, 
a, a dietitian would be better yeah. to ask. Um, there are some foods which so so there's a key there's a key ingredient and start remembering all my words now so <laughs> serotonin but yeah. we've all heard yes. of that and your SSRIs and your um and, and the essential neurotransmitter so serotonin only comes from food it's not something that we manufacture okay and it's oh has anybody got google on there's a phrase <laughs> it, in it, you get it in in egg whites um oh it'll come to me it'll, it'll come to me <laughs> And, and it's the precursor, 5-HT, and there's a precursor before that. Um, uh, kidneys in mm. sea lions are full of it. Um, egg whites, uh, cheese, things like that. Mm -hmm. They're full of 5-HT and uh, the precursor to serotonin. Yeah. Now, when they do clinical trials, they can hold people away from these foods, and they do find that it increases anger levels. Um, oh, wow. So, so there is a lot, there's a lot going on there, but... Uh, you'd have to speak to a specialist yeah, to find yeah. out how that would actually um, work itself. Now, one thing that I do bleat on about is actually food we can think is a big deal, and it, and it is. Yeah. Sleep is the yeah. biggest deal. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sleep well, is massive. Well, you know, uh, most of us have got kids here. Yeah. When you've had a good night's sleep, you can face the world. When your kid has kept you up for four <laughs> nights on the spin, you're praying to God. No, oh, yeah, and you, you, you've got 30 minutes sleep between you and your missus, and she's going, I'm tired. She goes, how hey, bloody day. <laughs> yeah. We can both be tired. We're a team, we're a team. <laughs> yeah. But when you haven't had sleep, yeah. insomnia, you've yes. been out on a bender for days and days, drinking drugs, or you've yeah. got that child, or you, you're up studying for days upon days, and nothing yeah. goes... You're not yourself, you're delirious, you're sleep deprived, you're hallucin uh, hallucinating. We need that sleep, don't we? We do. I, I could talk to you all night about the effects of sleep and how crucial it is tryptophan. Tryptophanic foods is the word I was looking for. So if you, if you look for foods with tryptophan in. Um, the, a, a good or bad tryptophan? Well, well, these are the precursors to serotonin. Yeah. And, and of course, that's regulated. So you don't, again, I'm in dietitian territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, that's associated with that yeah. but you do need it some of it you don't yeah. want to go hammering it I imagine moderation like everything absolutely life. yeah um, but the in terms of sleep ah oh, wow uh, psychosis and the very worst of mental illnesses and sleep deprivation mm. are one and the same thing mm. we still can't pull them apart no, okay. so, so, so when we get somebody who's sleep deprived they're psychotic when mm. we get somebody who's psychotic sleep mm. it's one of the same thing yeah, brilliant now when we look at the, the, the experiments that went on with um, uh, monophasic and polyphasic sleep patterns so the, the, this is where we get people um, we experiment with different types of sleep uh, in different regions of the world and the Greeks are great a, a great community and um, uh, people who get the life balance right yeah. and they, there was a, an experiment, it might be 15 years old now, but um, there's, a, there's an island in Greece, and I can't remember the name of it, my Greek's not right up there, but it, it, it translates to the island where people don't die. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, somebody out there will know that. Yes, someone. Probably spare him. They'll know that. And, and, um, Cheers, David Attenborough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it's 
polyphasic sleep. So they, so they have two episodes. They have, a, they have an afternoon siesta. Yeah. Now, some of those people went on a sleep program to, to look at uh, the, what were the effects of changing their sleep pattern into monophasic, like ours in the Western mm -hmm. societies. They got all the terrible diseases uh, in, in that group of people that we get, despite the diet. So the diet counted for nothing, the sleep counted for everything. Now I know these are experiments and you can't be sure unless you've got a control yeah. group for everything. But that told me a lot, you know. I read a book on it. I read an eight hour book on sleep. It's called Sleep Smarter by Sean Stevenson. Mm -hmm. And same stuff as yourself. He says, the, so he's a health nutritionist, he's one of the best in the world. He says the first thing he always recommends to every single person before exercising, before dieting is get your sleep right. You have to be sleeping. Um, but he talks about the quality of sleep as well. Um, and again, it goes back to what we started the episode with in terms of like the old Stone Age years and stuff. Like, um, obviously we never had clocks and stuff, it was all by light. So even having a bit of light coming into your room and stuff can affect you've got cells on your skin that you're not you're still not sleeping right. So if you've got a bit of light, like a, I don't know, like I'm just trying to think in the room, like TV. that sort of stuff, you're, you're actually not resting, your body's not at full rest. So like me and Mrs. when we because again, I get fascinated by this stuff and I have blackout blinds and everything mm -hmm. and there's certain plants and stuff you can bring into it. So if anyone's interested in it, obviously, you know, for a few hours you can enhance your life moving forward. But how simple is it? Back in the day, we had an alarm clock to wake us up. Mm -hmm. Now we have the phone. But I, I never have my phone in anyway because you lie in there, you can't sleep. Bleep, I'll check it. Yeah. I'll check it. So your bed is for whatnot. And for sleep, yeah. but it's you it's snoring. It's snoring. It's snoring. Yeah. Right, mum. Yeah. Yeah. living like me. Yeah. But really funny. I mean, somebody can't. I sleep better now than ever. But you know, them days, your heads going over, heads going over. Your bed and your mattress is the only thing to not come with instructions. So all you got to do is lie there. Yeah. You got to sleep and then lie there thinking, I've got to be up in an hour, fifty oh, minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I struggle with sleep, um, even if it's black in the room, like I close my eyes and it's like, even now when I close, it's like there's a light still on and you know, a lot of things normally run through your head and I struggle with sleep and I like to, I always said I hate sleeping because I like to be productive, I like to be doing stuff and I know it's a requirement and you need it, but even if I close my eyes, it drives me crazy, it's like there's a light still on on the inside of my eyes, even if the room's black, which with a lot. Yeah, one of the things that I would like to remind people is that you are the product of 300 million years worth of evolution. Given the right conditions, you'll sleep. The yeah. amount of people that we see, you know, sleep disorder clinics um, have a lot of people go through. People with genetic sleep problems are few and far between. Take it as red again, aren't we pay grade, but mm. take it as red mm. that you given the right conditions you'll sleep and, and, okay. and it's absolutely as you say, light, temperature. Yeah. Um, adenosine is a hormone that we produce all yeah. day that when it builds up to a point, when that when we've when we've got enough, we'll sleep. And um, the other one, what did I say? Light, temperature, adenosine, adenosine stress. Yeah. Now if if you if, and this is where anxiety and treatment for anxiety in IAPS is so um, useful, is if you can deal with your anxious thoughts in a way that doesn't start a physical reaction, yeah. 
that will help you sleep where you can relax and that that's the key so so you know what we might be talking about like that other guy who said what are we talking about with anxiety what does it mean yeah. it could mean sleep yeah. because some of yeah. you stressed all day won't sleep now when you get up in the morning if you've not had enough REM sleep rapid eye movement sleep mm. then one of the first regions of your brain to suffer is um, emotional recognition in other people so imagine for the day you couldn't pick up in other people's faces what emotion was going on for them that would be a bad day yeah because you'd be walking into people who were giving you the not yeah. right now or i'll yeah. throw something at you yeah. um you know and, uh, you can only imagine now and you know we say to kids you're always tired but mm -hmm. but then as as adults we just expect people to get on with it you know yeah that's true if if you've been asleep for 19 hours you're you're over the drink drive limit in terms of attention and ability to react to um, things on the road wow. yeah 19 hours so if you've been asleep for 19 hours no no if you've been awake for 19 oh, hours sorry <laughs> Yeah. yeah, really? Yeah, I was going to say, if you slept for 19 hours, you're a teenager. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it's the equivalent of being over the drink driver. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's 19 oh, hours. Yeah. You can think that I've had a hard day in the office, and then, well, I don't know, me and the missus are watching Games of Thrones, mm. you know, and you're just having a bit of quality time after your 10 hours at work. Mm. But excuse me, can we come back to Nick's uh, question, please? Yeah, Nick says. Nick Davis, Ben Jones. Yeah, Nick Davis. Hello, Nick. If he is, I'm assuming you're, Marcus. if you're bringing innovation to IAPT, can we have rapid PTSD and trauma treatments included like the BLAST technique? Now, I mentioned Nick Davis, you didn't before. Good friend, he comes on here a lot and I told, uh, I told you about Nick Davis. Uh, I was um, attacked by a staff Gibraltaria and he had PTSD, but I didn't know what that was at the time. I just thought I was panicking all the time and he, he did wonders for me but maybe one of the days we could get you together and have a, a nice chat absolutely yeah we we uh, that's a really good point ptsd used to be something that we thought was you know uh, something that evil can evil had when it all went wrong for him and came out staggering about with smoke all over him we know that people can get ptsd now we know veterans come back with ptsd we know people who come out of car accidents have ptsd Anyone who's relationships, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, anyone who's who's felt that their um, the the life's in danger, um, and, and one thing we do in IAPT is, of course, we we are an NHS body, so we take evidence-based practice straight out the laboratories, the universities, everyone who's looking round at the latest technique that's useful, and we focus it back into the community the best way that we can. We, we, in terms of innovation, in, in, we, we, we only use things that have got an evidence base behind them. Yeah. So that we can say, the last thousand people that went through, these were the effects. We get a bell curve off that and we can look at the most of people. Yeah. So we, we, we only use what we call safe techniques. Um, there's not to say that there aren't lots of techniques out there, but yeah. those are the ones we use. And one thing I was talking to Kev about is that once so long ago there was a... Um, conference in Ireland on either IAPS or uh, PTSD and one of the best things is boxing mm -hmm. boxing for PTSD now now we've got EMDR is is uh, a situation where we we stimulate the hemispheres one after yeah. the other um, and this stuff really works it, it's phenomenal stuff I was working one down south working one day 
did a big GP surgery and I got there early and there was um, the, there was a baby crying outside fully qualified granddad by the way granddad. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and this baby was crying and screaming and um, and, and I've worked in we call CAMS children yeah, adolescents yeah. so I've been on the courses to use the MGR in with both adults and children and the um, this mum had turned up early to wait for the midwife who was um, who was working next door. My missus is a midwife as well, so we, we talk sometimes. Um, <laughs> but it's nothing on the telly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the one, yeah. She was on the telly last night, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, five star, the uh, nine o'clock, the uh, Preston Royal Infirmary. Yeah, anyway. Um, but but uh, so, so this, this woman was there with the baby and she couldn't stop this baby crying. So um, she, I said, put her over your shoulder and, and I tapped the bottom of the soles of her feet. Mm. She stopped crying. Oh, bloody hell. Which this, I, I wish we'd had New Year when Jasmine was like that. This woman, because she couldn't see what I was doing, I said, just, just hold your arm out and put her feet out. And I just tapped them. And this woman, what have you done? Mm. I was like, it's something we do. And she's like, can we do it? No, you can't do it all the time. Yeah. And, and it's And it's processing things when we switch one side of the brain yeah. on and the other side yeah. off and then the other side on the other side off and what it does it mimics very carefully REM sleep yeah this is what happens in REM sleep your eyes dart about yeah. so is this is this what the, is this the method Nick will be able to tell us more is this the, the method behind the blast technique then well the, the blast technique is a step on from this but without Nick here um, I won't talk about it, but I'd love to maybe get you both on one day yeah. so we could talk about it. But, gang, we're, we're, we've been on now for an hour. Oh my so, what we always like to do is, um, if you've got any quotes or something you've uh, had through life and you think it could help a young Marcus, or have you got something or an organisation or something you'd like to give back to everyone? Right. Well, well, one thing you said was about how can people get help? Oh, yeah, in how the can people get help? Sorry. And, and, and one of the kind of points we went to earlier, and do kick me if I start rolling on again, no, no. is that, you know, we talked about mental health being like a broken leg and suddenly realising that you, you get up with it one morning and that you, 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 you've got it. We know it's not like that. We know that people, like a swimming pool, we use that analogy, that we, we pull people out the deep end. Yeah. And we concentrate on pulling them out the deep end, and, and if you, if you, a little bit like a, an emergency service would. Mm. What we know is they've been in the shallow end for 12 months, yeah. splashing about and, and making some bad decisions, and you go down that slope and suddenly you're out of your depth. Yeah. depth. If, if you're splashing about in the shallow end, don't wait for it to get worse. Mm. Yeah. Get onto IAT, go on Google, look at IAT, get onto your local service, and you can refer yourself in. You can okay. do it over the... Um, internet or you can ring them up and talk to them okay and and, and go on and, and you'll you'll usually get um, an assessment within 72 hours which will tell you what you need they might say no listen this is a phase you're going through you'll be okay or yeah we will we, we can offer you this or we can offer you that or we've got another service that might be better for you yeah. this that and the other mm -hmm. so so i would urge anyone don't wait for this to get to a point where you think it's bad enough to get in touch that's brilliant. Go on and, and, and refer yourself in. Um, mm. I, I, in, terms of, in terms of quotes, you know, I, I, you have to try and practice what you preach, don't you? But, you know, <laughs> with these people around you that look angry, that are a pain in the arse, that, are, that you know, um, uh, uh, 
a road raging, um, be as kind as you can. Yeah. They're having a bad day, yeah. and it could be you. And and and, and punish them and punishing them for having a bad day. It's like petrol on the fire. Yeah. Give them a wide berth. You know, um, be as kind as you can. That's my yeah. A little bit of advice. I need reminding, no? So, <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for having me. No, thank you very great. much. Yeah, jolly good. Thank you. Yeah, thank so, you gang, thank you to everyone that commented. Yeah, thank you for everyone. So, until next week, gang, ta-ra, Listen, listen, listen. And that's a wrap for another show. But if there are any comments or messages that you would like us to read out for our next podcast, please be in touch. There are also lots of different organisations at the bottom of this page and hopefully they can help you or someone you care about. Please share this to spread the word. Until we talk next time, ta-ra-ra-bit. Listen, listen, listen.